Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Our Trumpet Life, a podcast focused on learning, teaching, and sharing everything trumpet. You can check us out at www.ourtrumpetlife.com or email us at ourtrumpetlife at gmail.com. This week, we're going to be talking about the career choices that we made and wish we had made. But before we get to that, each of us are going to take a little bit of time and just talk about how our week went. So, David, how about you catch us up? Yeah. Uh, so for this week, I've had uh, two recording sessions with the University Jazz Combo, as well as a performance with the Big Band. So I spent a lot of this week just getting that music together for those recording sessions. Awesome. How about you, Chris? Or Derek? Chris, let's do Chris here. Well, thank you, Derek. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this week... Uh, we, the university, and so at Chico State, we're, we're in the final stages of getting our uh, recording equipment that we just purchased so we can get it out to the students. So we were packaging it all today and getting it into the music library so students can come pick up for this next week. And we can start our final recording sessions with the student engineers next week. Today we... We're just getting them geared towards playing with perfection because at Chico State, we play with perfection. And <laughs> that's basically what we were doing all the week uh, this last week. So so the school bought recording gear for the students? Yeah. So Chico State has, uh, being in the position I'm in, I'm overseeing a series of performing ensembles. So I'm allotted an IRA fund and I use that money to buy equipment as well as recording equipment. And wow. because we are in this pandemic and where we need quality microphones i decided to spend my money that i have on those things so the students can use that's really cool that's awesome that is really cool it's not a lot but it's something and then uh we check them out just like instruments of course would sanitize them and be safe as possible but they're available for people that are in town the ones that are out of town uh, it's a little bit more difficult to get that going, but usually a lot of them already have good microphones, so we're good on that. That's awesome. For this week, for me, Derek, that's me, that's my name, don't wear it out. I I was almost going to say I didn't do anything, and then David reminded me about that concert, and uh, I was on that too. So I spent most of the week maintaining my face trying to figure out how I was going to make it through uh, <laughs> a whole set of big band concert not having done one since March, and I was I was very scared going into it. I didn't think my face would make it. And due to the long program, I think we ended up cutting a couple tunes, and that might have been the only reason I made it through. So that was mostly what I did. Had to work every day, all that. Had a snow day today, which was cool. That's awesome. Here in Colorado. So what's the snow like over there? Because over here it's just windy, and I see that it's like dumped on you guys. I think it was like 10 in- or 6 inches or so. Wow. Six to eight came in Sunday night and they didn't plow. It came in Saturday night. They didn't plow the road. So when I went to go practice on Sunday, it took me an hour to get home mm. because the roads were so bad. Yeah, that's and brutal. my car is old and not a snow car, but it's nice to have it. We have a lot of fires here that needed to be put out mm-hmm. from what I gather. They're looking like early November. All the fires should be contained now. So that's good. That's much better than where we were at before the snow for sure yeah have you ever seen like antarctica on one of those national geographic documentaries 
It's not like that. There's just a lot of snow, though. <laughs> cricket, All right. cricket, cricket. Oh, my. <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> well, my week was, was uneventful for the most part, but I did spend quite a bit of time editing, and hopefully I'm getting better at that. And by editing, I mean editing these podcasts to post them weekly for you guys. You know, like I said, I'm improving on it. I've been reading and hopefully we'll continue to get some good quality conversation and be more condensing of what the information that we get out to you guys. So Ben's you've been doing so much work with this editing that I'm really glad you're doing it because I have no idea how to do that. And I feel like it would take me all day, every day to do it. But I mean, this has just been uh, such a good week for growth for this project in general. I think this is, well, it's been one week essentially since we started really pushing stuff on social media, which we haven't gone to the full extent on that yet, but been pushing it a lot on Facebook. Instagram just got unlocked for us today. I think I did too much and I got shadow banned. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that got unlocked today. And we haven't made anything yet for YouTube and all that stuff, but it's been a big week for the podcast and uh, you've been putting a lot of, you've been putting out most of that stuff. So uh, thanks for doing all that. I know that's a lot of stuff to yeah, ben. to learn yeah. really quickly. So it's awesome, man. Yeah. I think it gets easier as, as you learn. So hopefully as you know, we go through this process over and over things will speed up. But yeah, I mean, I enjoy it for the most part. I know we've talked about that and, mm-hmm. you know, I, right now I'm probably the least busy out of all four of us. And so it just makes sense that I'm the one doing this. So I'm happy to do it. We also have nice microphones this week and we're yeah. trying a new thing with the sound. So yeah, hopefully the sound this week will be the best so far. That's the yes. goal. Yeah. I'm excited to hear what that's going to sound like. Yeah, me too. We'll sound so good. Maybe we'll go on, uh, you know, maybe Joe Rogan will invite us on to his podcast and NPR. <laughs> that would be great. That would be yeah, cool. Yeah, we're shooting, we're shooting big. So our topic this week, essentially, this was a, a, a user submitted question. Chris, you can actually talk about that if you would like, and we'll get underway. Yes. Kenley reached out to me earlier this week, and he was wondering the idea of continuing his education as a graduate student, whether he should do that or going into the work field. Yeah. So, I mean, we can talk about our choices we made as we approach those transitions in our lives and our careers. Because I think, you know, especially for me, I definitely had questions. You know, I I remember when I was finishing up my undergrad, I was not anticipating going to grad school. It wasn't really until late in my junior year, maybe it could have even been the early in my senior year that I was began to realize, yeah, you know what, if I'm going to make a career out of this, I'm going to have to go to grad school. And I know I talked about this with my trumpet teacher prior. I, obviously, it wasn't just a surprise. Oh, I'm going to do grad school. But certainly the decision didn't really sink in until that time. I, I'm going to have to go through this process of getting into a grad school and and continue my education. You know, and part of that decision came down to the career path that I chose. You know, I chose music performance, not music education. So it was kind of necessary for me to continue the education to grad school in order to get a job 
which would be for music performance, you know, either teaching at a university or performing with a professional organization, both of which I was not ready for. So that decision, you know, for me, it came down to, do I continue my education now or do I take some time away from school and then go back to school? And it, it just made sense, you know, to stay in school. I was already, the momentum was there. And I know that, you know, if I had taken time off, uh, you know, my, my father owned a tree company, so I would have just worked for him, mm. which is hard labor. And so part of my decision was like, yeah, let's stay in school. <laughs> <laughs> How about you guys? What was that decision like for you? <laughs> I had always, I had always had it kind of planned out. You, all of you know that my parents are the planner. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm the, the schemer. I make schemes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but all of you know that my, my parents are professional musicians and both of them pursued uh, multiple degrees in music. So I kind of had already decided when I was leaving high school that I was going to go the performance route and I was going to be getting multiple degrees. I wasn't quite sure about the doctorate, but when I had started my master's degree, I was pretty sure I was going to go on and do that. And that was just something I had thought about. A lot, you know, I, I guess just like following in your parents' footsteps kind of thing. The, what, what made me decide to go to UNC was that I wanted teachers, I wanted professors that were skilled, but were going to be there. I auditioned at Rutgers. I auditioned at uh, Purchase College in White Plains, North Texas. And, you know, they had these, you know, fantastic, amazing artists there as teachers, but many of those performers you know, they're gone on tour where they're, they're, you know, you might see them twice a month and you'd have like a marathon lesson, but they weren't really available. So for me, I wanted to go to a place where I felt like I had a constant group of professors there to assist me. So that's why I chose UNC over those other places. And, and I don't regret it. And then I stayed on for my doctorate, really kind of for a cheesy, simple reason, don't tell my wife this, but it was be part of it was because of her. Uh, I just started dating her, and I just didn't want to do the long distance thing. And I just I felt like there was something really special, and I had an opportunity to easily just walk in and pursue my doctorate, and didn't have to deal with you know auditioning or moving or any of that. I knew I was going to get a good education, and you know I was already happy here. I was already playing gigs and everything, so I didn't have to mess with that whole starting over thing which as you all know can be a stressful thing to deal with you know kind of starting over in a new music scene so it was for me i think it was the best decision you're talking about family decisions and life decisions and then obviously career decisions so if you had to put a number to it like what percentage of your choice came down to your personal life versus your career choice well, obviously we want to find a balance. That's kind of that's kind of hard. I I kind of feel like that was in my case it was 50-50. Yeah. One one of the other reasons why I really like being here is Colorado has a great music scene. And there's a lot of great music schools out there, but there isn't really a big music scene there that's supporting the musicians and I truly believe that there are certain things that you can't learn in the classroom that you're only going to learn that by actually doing the job. Yeah. So 
it was just again it was just i thought a better fit for me all around mm-hmm. and actually if i might add i think that's something that we're all kind of dealing with as well applying for jobs kind of my nightmare is to get a full-time university position but it's in an area in the middle of nowhere where i'm i'm hardly ever going to get a chance to perform yeah so that's that's something else and i'm been thinking about a lot and i think we've all kind of had those thoughts chris what about you well yeah my situation as far as making a decision to go to grad school or just start working is different for sure just to be quick about it i started uh, my bat you don't have to be quick about it it is your podcast oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> stop me when I'm, <laughs> when I'm going too much guys yeah someone someone set the timer give me the give me the timer please get me get the what are they called the shepherd's cane or something like the crook yeah so yeah after my bachelor's degree i went straight into the teaching credential program the teaching credential program as those who know are meant to serve the primary and secondary schooling systems so you need that in order to teach those areas now in my mind i knew i always wanted to teach college however my undergrad told me, hey, go get that credential program, uh, get it under your belt, you're, you're going to be a better teacher for it. And so I did. And that's what I did. I pursued the credential program for one year. Basically, I taught in high school and middle school every day. And I had a master teacher supervise me and give me critique. And on top of that, at nighttime, I would go to school and take the courses for educational psychology and pedagogy, as well as doing other music endeavors. So I did that. I just, After the credential program and completed that, I went to UNC. And I did that because I knew I wanted to be a college professor. And you cannot be a college professor without at least a master's degree. So that was a no-brainer in my mind. Uh, so I pursued master's degree. And I did that for three years because me being the bonehead that I am, it took me three years. Of course, to be fair, I did a master's in classical and jazz trumpet, um, which I would not take back for a second. It was a great experience. During that transition from my master's to my doctorate, though, I did think very heavily about wanting to take some time to go work in the field, whether that be a professional gig, possibly through the military, or to teach at a community college if there was one available, or even high school. I was considering doing that just to get some experience because a lot of my friends were doctorate friends were telling me like, you know, they went straight through and experience was a big thing on the resume Mm -hmm. that they didn't have. And, and I'm not talking about like graduate assistantship experience. I'm talking about real life. You're teaching out in the world and, and putting those years in and how crucial that was. I, I was mixed on that, but the idea of getting a doctorate to me was more important at the time. And UNC being a great resource made sense. It made sense for me to just stick it in there, keep my head down and keep grinding away. Besides, I had Derek and David right there and Ben, you was there as well, uh, but from afar. And, you know, I had a good support system. I would suggest in my situation at the time, that was the best. I, that was the best decision I could make. But gosh, I got I, I am blessed with this gig at Chico State and I'm getting experience now and and finishing up the tail end of my doctorate. 
but experience, yeah, I mean, nothing replaces experience. I can say that a hundred times. You know, that's kind of the, the area that I went. Yeah, absolutely. And David has something to say, actually. Go ahead, David. Well, it's more of a question on this topic. Uh, and and you, you all have sort of talked about this, but I'm curious as to how you, what, what your thinking was when you decided which degrees to actually pursue, because I believe all four of us have completely different or like completely different situations with our degrees. Like Derek has a degree that I, you don't even see offered that often at, at universities. So I thought maybe it'd be cool if we could segue in a little bit, doesn't be right now, but maybe kind of talk about that and why we chose the degree paths we chose. Before we get there, I actually have a question specifically for Chris with his experience. Chris, how do you feel now being well outside of well past it? How do you feel about having gotten the teaching certification? Do you think it helped with you getting your the degrees you got after or do you kind of regret having spent the time to do it? I don't regret that at all. Only because so much of what I there was a great teaching credential program. What I learned from there was how to be organized in my lesson plans as well as knowing how to structure my psychology my educational like approach and philosophy as well as opening my eyes up to how other teachers teach and formulate their strategies that was huge for me at the time because <laughs> me being the bonehead coming out of my bachelor's degree that was the biggest thing that I needed to work on I still need work on it you know but that for me was a huge turning point in solidifying my pedagogy tactics and strategies. So in that regard, yes, it was huge. However, the super downfall for the credential program was because you're working with students day in and day out, you don't get a lot of time to practice on your own. You also become incredibly sharp playing with high schoolers. I'm just going to say it. It's just <laughs> the pitch just climbs and climbs. And though my conducting was getting a lot of attention and my rehearsing skills and my efficiency and, you know, I taught a theory class during that time as well, that gets better. But you're playing, if you're not, atten you know, I was just telling, who was I telling earlier today? Uh, one of my students, because they asked a similar question about the credential program. I said, I got there at six, six thirty every day before class started. And I would practice an hour to an hour and a half every day just to do fundamentals. And that's what it took because all the other time was inconsistent. Like I, so I was either uh, doing something else, running errands for the master teacher or whatever. You're basically like an intern. You are an intern and things come up. So yeah, the only solid time that I had was at six in the morning. And I'd get there super early and it would it'd be great. And then I do my, my fundamentals and if I got any more playing time, I would do it. But that's a downfall. I would do it in a heartbeat again. There was, the information you gain from teaching credential program is, is great. And, and it's a safe environment. It's better than being thrown out to the wolves, I tell you. The thing that stood out to me when you were talking about that was you said that you don't regret it because it's what you needed. And I was thinking about that and how, you know, that same principle applied to me, you know, when I was going through my, my graduate program, my master's program and, you know, David's talking about how, you know, from the very beginning, he kind of knew what he wanted. He had schemed things or he'd planned it out. And for me, it was very different. You know, I had, I had kind of a very 
my idea of what I wanted to do kept adjusting <laughs> based on what, while I was learning, I learning about myself and where my strengths were, where my weaknesses were, it changed a lot. You know, when I was in my undergrad, I remember going into that thinking, I want to just perform. I loved playing music and I just wanted to perform. When I got to the end of my undergrad degree, I was like, you know, I'm not a strong enough performer. So I sought out a master's program that was focused on performance. And that's what I did. I went to the University of North Carolina School of the Arts. It's a small art school. It's heavily performance oriented. Uh, I was taught by Judith Saxton there and I learned so much. And by the time I got to the end of that degree, you know, I, I had grown a lot as a performer, but I also kind of changed what I wanted to do. And I had thought, you know, not only I want to be a performer, yes, but I want to be able to teach and I want to be able to teach at a university. So in order to do that, not only do I need a doctorate, but since my undergrad, or sorry, my, my master's program was heavily focused on performance, I need to get a degree that is heavily focused on teaching pedagogy. So I applied to several schools and I only got accepted into two. It was Boston University or, and which was actually a performance degree. That was, it was kind of interesting. That was one of those that I sought that school out because of the teacher there, uh, Terry Everson. And he's a, has a beautiful sound. I thought if I got into there, that would be a wonderful place to go. But I also got into the University of Northern Colorado, which is a pedagogy degree. And I was offered the teaching assistantship job. And so to me, it was a no brainer. Like that's what I needed for my career. So I made that choice to go ahead and, you know, go out to Colorado. You know, I'm from the East coast. I lived in the East coast my entire life. I would have been happy to stay on the East coast, but for me, the decision came down to what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? And my weakness was teaching. I needed that teaching degree. It's interesting listening to you talk and it was very similar, like the things that you're saying, how this is what I was weak at. I know I needed this degree. I know I needed this certificate. And so I don't regret it. And I feel the same. I don't regret going to Northern Colorado or any of the schools that I went to in the past because they filled a need that I had. Yeah. And I grew through each one of those choices. And yeah, I could have taken time off and performed or whatever. Like the opportunities weren't there at the time, which is why I didn't. But I think that's really what it comes down to. You know, you weigh what opportunities are in front of you. Mm -hmm. And if it's, if it's an opportunity that's just too good to pass up, you should do it, especially if it's in your interest. But for me, there were no real opportunities. So I focused on what I needed. And that's what led me to my decision to go out there. As far as taking time off, I have taken time off and it was a personal decision. Uh, when I was about, I want to say two or three years into my program out in Northern Colorado, my, my mother had cancer at the time. And so I decided to take that time off to be home because, uh, it was a scary time for our family. And I, you know, I was very concerned. So I took that time off and I did work in the, and it wasn't in the music field, but I worked, you know, hard labor and, that, you know, you learn a lot of things about yourself. You learn a lot of things about, you know, the career choices you've made. I think that if there's one piece of advice that I could give, it's, it's just to weigh the situation that you're in 
and make decisions that are, you know, first and foremost, they're going to be healthy for you and your life. And then secondly, make decisions that are going to help you become a stronger player, person, performer, whatever it is, uh, so that you can get to that next step that you are pursuing. That's great advice, Ben. And, you know, while we're on the topic of, of taking time off, now is an especially unique time, something that obviously no one alive has really lived through uh, with the pandemic. And being in school or around school, we hear so much about how school is being taught now, how different it is. The question always arises, would you want to be going to school during the pandemic, you know, whether it's high school, undergrad, graduate, leads me to this question that I'm interested in hearing your guys' opinion on. Is Would you recommend a high school student going into their freshman year to actually go to college this year so that they would have already started at this point, but or continue their degree, take a year off, and then after that, would you recommend an undergrad who was going into their first graduate year, would you recommend them do that or just take the year off? I think a big part of that, at least first thing that comes up in my mind, and please guys, I really want to see what you guys think about my opinion with this one, <laughs> is... Uh, it's wrong. <laughs> it, it really comes down to, again, needs and wants and what your goal is for your career. Now, if you're uncertain of what you want to do. Obviously, we use sometimes we've used this first two years of college to figure out what you want to do because not everybody knows what they want to do the first when they go right into if you're a high schooler going into college. So for that reason, I would say no, take a year off. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think? Well, I think that this is, you know, if you're a if you're a senior thinking about starting your first year of college, you know, I think something that the four of us can agree we learned a lot probably and we probably had some classes that we really liked that were just part of that humanities you know core thing that we had to do for our four year degree but it really had nothing to do with music this might be a great opportunity to just knock a lot of those out just you know get a lot of those out of the way so that when school restarts in person you can focus more of your time just on music also the you know the community college thing is is also a wonderful you know, a wonderful solution. A lot of community colleges now have partnerships worked up with local universities. So, you know, sometimes there's the the issue of if you transfer, sometimes the university won't accept all those credits. But if you do the research, there are a lot of community colleges that are set up as already set up as kind of a feeder for a university in the area. So you are getting your credits knocked out for your university that you want to attend, but at a cheaper cost. As far as a master's, you know, if you're going into your, your graduate degree, I think that one's a little bit more complicated and really depends on your individual situation. For me, like at UNC, Derek and I are playing in the bands, but we're, you know, we're done with our coursework. But the kind of the big reason that we decided to go back and play in the bands you know, not just that we love to play that in those types of ensembles, but really because, you know, we weren't playing on a regular basis, like with, with people, like the last time that we'd really done that was back in March. And I think both of us had 
gigs here or there, but it was kind of irregular. So this was a chance to play with people again and to keep our faces in ensemble shape. And that, but that's not going to be the same for everyone. Not every university is is having ensembles rehearsing on a regular basis. So I think it really just depends on on the individual. And also, if you think some people have a hard time taking that time off and then coming back. I've I've heard that a lot, especially with people that are working on their dissertation. And I've actually kind of got caught up in that where I've turned my attention to financial things or things in the present and thinking about the future gets put on the back burner. So I, you know, again, this is like the fourth time I've said it. It just depends on your situation. Derek. I don't know. I mean, you guys, you guys have raised so many good points. I don't know how much more I have to contribute. I, I really think that as you all said, it, it depends so much on your situation, on your desires, on your goals that there's just, there isn't a right answer. You know, there isn't one route that these people should take and one route that these people should take. So I think as long as people are really thinking that out and have a clear understanding of what they want, which isn't easy, that's not an easy thing to have, you know, (laughs) a lot of us know what we want to do from the very beginning and we can kind of just stumble our way through the rest and others don't know what they want to do and and that's harder it's harder to make those types of decisions if if you've fallen in that camp so yeah it just really it really depends i don't know if there's much i can add i think you guys covered it really well if i was going to add anything to that especially just considering the unique time that we're in right now with the pandemic do your research look at the schools, talk to the professors, the students to find out like what the school's plan is and what you're comfortable doing. You know, it ultimately comes down to your personal decision and your safety and how you want to protect yourself and others. So, you know, do your research on the, the programs that you're interested in to make the decision that's as informed as possible for yourself. Can I add something to this is uh, also important. It's something my dad always told me, as well as some teachers of mine in the past. They said, know what you want, know how long it's going to take you, and is it going to take care of you financially once you get out? Or are you going uh, to be good with that number? Because going into the profession, we need to know what we're getting ourselves into if we're going to pursue something. This The reward is priceless you know we're, we're based with this knowledge and experience that nobody else is going through except possibly people that are taking that same path that you are but i think it's really important to also just like look down the line a little bit is this because if you're going to do it you got to do it it's going to be great but also massage the idea of all the great uh, or sorry all the logistic parts write it down because that's that's what you're aiming for and it's good to have your head on your shoulders and think it through Let's jump into a quick hypothetical. So let's transport yourself in time. You can pick the degree transition. So whether it's going into your undergrad, going into your master's or going into your doctorate, but it's this year. So you have the pandemic to deal with. What's your decision? Do you go to school? Do you continue schooling? What's up, Ben? That's a tough one. Pick pick your degree first. So... I think I'll pick the toughest one, which would have been my master's to my 
doctorate because that's you know for me that was the biggest leap for me you know i'm like i said live on the east coast my entire life going from my undergraduate to my my master's program i you know i went from virginia to north carolina wasn't that big of a difference so you know that transition from my master's program to my doctorate going from virginia all the way out to colorado is a pretty large jump and especially one that during a pandemic would for sure bring it in questions as to whether or not I would do something like that. You know, I'm a pretty family oriented guy and and I think my main concern would be, you know, not just my own health, but my family's health and whether or not that decision would have any impact. You know, obviously it'd be something that I'd have to think about, which is why it's tough to just answer. But yeah, I mean, I know that I'd have I'd have things to think about, you know, I, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't just be an easy snap decision for me. And it wasn't even as it was, you know, as it was, it took me, I didn't necessarily want to go that far away from home (laughs) at the time. And with this added element to it, I think that I could easily see my decision being made to stay back, but I will, I will say this, what would I do? If I stayed back, would I be performing? No, you know, there's gigs right now are slim and very few. So I wouldn't be performing. I wouldn't be teaching unless I could open up an online studio. So that would put me in a situation where I'm trying to find work, which is actually kind of a similar situation I'm in right now. So those are things to consider. You know, what are the opportunities that are in front of you? And in this case, I think the opportunities would have been slim. So (laughs) full circle, I think, yes, I would, I would, I would go and stay in school, you know, and I would be smart about it. I I would try to be safe about it in the way that I approached it. And with social distancing and all of the, the protective measures that you can take. But, but yeah, I think I would, I think I would stay in school because getting a job in this economy right now is incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. Chris, what about you? Uh, ben, great points, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I was talking yeah, in absolutely, circles, absolutely. but I finally got to where I wanted to be. Yeah, it, it, that's that's exactly, yeah. If I were to go about this, it'd be knowing what your goals. So if I'm going, let's just talk bachelor's to master's, because I think that's a harder one to to digest, because you can, when you're done with your bachelor's, you can you can go out into the workforce. And because that degree is, you you can do something with that degree. It would really come down to what's available at the time. If there are gigs, because when you leave school, the whole purpose is to work, to get a job, to, to start your profession in a way, even if that's just gaining experience for a couple of years and then getting out back into school. But if if you don't have a job lined up, then it's like, well, okay, well then how am I going to make this work? So no experience gains. Yes, you're saving money, but it's not going to work. So if there's no job available, stay in school and work towards it. That would be my initial thought if I was being put in this situation. Of course, it's not so black and white when it comes to that kind of scenario. I know there's always situations that may present themselves, but yes, that would be my answer. David? 
Uh, well said, Chris. Don't encourage him. <laughs> I try not to. I try not to. Well, I mean, I I agree a, a lot with what you know what, what all of you are talking about. Kind of going back to what I was talking about earlier. Depending on what your degree track is, you may be even more limited, right? If your if your whole goal is to be an orchestral trumpet player right now, there's not a ton of auditions, right? There's no auditions available. There's some military auditions. Yeah, there are some military auditions. But you know, I I feel like at this point in time, you know, it it is again, it's up to it's up to you personally, and you really got to think about what your what your chances are right if you decide you know i'm going to take a year off okay but is the income you're bringing in is that going to have anything to do with with music or you know is this like a a different like a complete tangent in your life and you're going to be working at a comic book store or something which would be awesome i kind of wish i could have done that at some point but uh (laughs) but you have to be you have to be realistic i will say on the flip side of that i think that it is also an opportunity for those of us in this field to think outside the box. You know, that's one of the big reasons why, maybe not the biggest reason, but it's a reason why we really jumped on and started, decided to make this podcast. You know, this is, this is something different. You know, this is something that we can do, you know, together as friends, but, you know, before maybe we wouldn't have had the time to really do it because, you know, we were playing more often. We had other things taking our focus. So that's an excellent point. So, so I, w- I would think of this, you know, don't, yeah, there's no orchestral auditions happening. Don't let that get your, get yourself down. Like think outside the box. How can you market yourself? How can you create opportunities for yourself? That's great. That's really good. I mean, you guys bring up so many good points that by the time, we i've gotten to the conversation i just like i don't have much to add well how about i ask a question and you can start then what do you think yeah let's do that you conversation hogs unless you had something to add to that uh not really okay all right so this question is kind of moving away from this situational pandemic issue to just general career advice and the question is do you put all your eggs in one basket or do you have a backup plan? What side do you fall on? All right. This one, this one's going to separate some people. I think <laughs> this is the divisive <laughs> yeah. question here in good. this conversation. Yes. Uh, yes. Good. So I can take that, that last qualifier that you said a couple different ways, which side do I fall on? As far as myself personally, I fall on the, I, all my eggs are in one basket. As far as how would I guide someone that whether I was a teacher or a friend, it's going to depend on the person. My first trumpet teacher, Jamie Hall, he used to always ask his students this question. Do you want to do this or do you have to do this? And a lot of people, I think, fall in the want to do this category. And if you are going to put all of your eggs in the same basket, then you really better believe in that basket and do everything you can to get that basket. So for someone who just has the idea that this is something they like doing, they enjoy playing music, this is a fun activity for them, and they have these grand notions about what being a professional musician is about, I almost tend to say that they should not put all their eggs in one basket because this, like anything else, turns into a job. And it's not always fun. This isn't 
you know, you always hear people complain about schooling, taking the the fun out of music or the the magic out of uh, out of performing music. And the cold hard reality is when it's your job, it's not always about fun. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you have to you you need to have to do this. You can't just want it. So I think you're going to have to have a clear idea of what you want to do. Kind of something we've been saying this whole podcast. That's I mean, that should be what we named this episode. <laughs> so for myself, I don't have and never have had this this attitude of, oh, music is really fun. This is something I enjoy. I express myself. I'm an artist. That's not how I think about it at all and have never thought about music this way. For me, I have to do this. This is a pursuit of of discipline and and beating myself every day. It's like a, a personal growth for me. It's not me being an artist. And so that being the case, I can put all my basket all my eggs in one basket because I view it as I'm competing against myself. So I just have to beat myself. And that's what stri- that's what drives me. And if if that's not you, if it's a more communal thing, then I mean, you really kind of have to judge and it could change year by year. So, yeah, so that's a bit rambly, but it's, I mean, it's a hard question to answer. Again, it's just, it's going to depend on the person, the circumstances they're in. Uh, ben, do you mean backup as in a different career path or you do you mean backup being more like specialist versus like freelancer? I think... The essence of my question was it was really having a backup that's outside of okay, okay. your your profession. But I do think that there could exist the situation where, for instance, if you had a music education degree and a music performance degree, right? Mm-hmm. So you went to undergrad and you got both of those degrees, but you wanted to be a music performance major. So you continued in that profession, but always had in the back of your head, if this doesn't work out, I'll just teach music education in the school system or something. So that could also be a situation where it's still in music, but you're kind of using it as your backup in case things don't work out. That's sort of the way I plotted out my degree situation is I, I knew that one, I'm not smart enough and two, I'm not talented enough to be the next Miles Davis or Philip Smith. I know that. I, I agree for one. Are we voting on that? <laughs> I <laughs> vote yes. You don't have to vote because I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> At least he's honest. <laughs> but that being said, as as Derek was saying, like this is something he has to do. I have to play music. I, mm-hmm. I love the way I feel when I'm performing. And I also love making people feel happy or, or feeling something. And I, I just, I have to be a musician. But I realized that I was never going to be you know, the first call guy in New York. And, but I'm okay with that. And honestly, I don't want that lifestyle either. I've, I've always, I've always loved teaching, but both my parents were public school teachers that they taught everything from elementary through university level. And although Oklahoma isn't necessarily the best example of this, I mean, every time you read the news and, you know, they bring up education, Oklahoma is constantly near the bottom and it's it's a very difficult state to work in as a public school teacher i just after you know watching my parents they were at their happiest when they were teaching like university level they were at their most unhappy situation when they were having to teach in the public school system and it's not that they didn't love teaching 
those kids. It was just dealing with the other stuff that comes with being a, in a, a, a teacher. And I just know that I didn't have the patience for that. And I just absolutely knew that public school was not for me. But I, I you know, I think about myself being a specialist and I just don't, I don't like that. I, I want to have the ability, the, the freedom to play in whatever style of music that I want to play in. And that's kind of why I've done the career path that I've done. You know, my bachelor's was in performance, master's is in jazz studies, and then my doctorate is classical performance again with a secondary in in jazz. I've also apprenticed at multiple repair shops, so I, you know, I have a bit of understanding in how to repair musical instruments. And, you know, I've, I've done all this stuff so that, you know, I'm acquiring more skills. So that if we come into a situation like this, I'm not a specialist sitting here thinking, oh man, you know, there's absolutely nothing for me to do in my career field, you know, outside of getting really crazy and creative, which I think is also necessary. But I, I have other stuff to turn to. I do enjoy instrument repair. Um, you know, it's it's fun for me. Yeah, maybe I'm not playing a lot of classical gigs, but... I have still been playing some pop gigs and, you know, I enjoy that as well. I think that you bring up good points and you're really kind of getting into the discussion of expanding your horizons, like the the talents that you have in different areas of your profession, which I think is always a good thing. Certainly you could make the argument that if you want to be a performer and I'll just use my example here. If I want to be an orchestral player, should I be spending all my time every day, you know, working on orchestral excerpts and fundamentals and just essentially becoming a better player? Or should I also add in some other element of music to expand my horizons? And I think that, you know, both are good and it depends on what you want. I think that this whole concept of putting all of your eggs in one basket, the mentality of pursuing something, a specific thing with all of your energy, you know, it's a very good and motivational mentality to have that can help you win a job. But I also think that the idea of having a backup plan, it isn't a bad thing to be like, you know, I'm going to work hard and you can be motivational and driven towards your end goal, but also still know that I can always do something else and have music on the side or, or whatever. It's all is a personal decision. I think for me, I think I fall in line with what you, David and uh, Derek, what you guys have said so far, which is I have to do this, you know, from, a, from my undergrad on, like it was always trumpet for me. I, I could not imagine having a, a job that's not in that field. Like I have to do this. And so my drive is from that, that perspective. And in order to, to get a job, I have to be driven towards that end. Ben, do you think that, so that year that you took off when your mother was sick and you had to work, you worked manual labor. Yeah. Did you find that year off really helped solidify those feelings for you? Absolutely. And I'll tell you why. I always thought, that I could do a job like that and have music on the side as a hobby. 
something that I did on the weekends or, you know, just practice every day and then enjoy, enjoy music on the weekends. But in reality, you know, maybe there are people that can do that for me. You know, you get home at the end of a long 10 to 12 hour day, sometimes working outside, you're not going to practice. I didn't, it would take an immense amount of determination to stay consistent in practicing and being able to have a performing career on the side. Some people I'm sure can do that. I cannot. And so for me, that year off was very eye-opening. And I realized that I will not be able to have a career outside of music and still be able to fulfill my desire to be performing. Uh, yeah, that I mean, that resonates with me so much because I've had to, due to student loans, get a manual labor job. Mm-hmm. And I feel the pain. I work 6 a.m. to 2.30 and oftentimes we'll work a little work later than that. And I've had, you know, struggled with the practicing and practicing the way I want to. If I, it was up to me, I practice six to eight hours a day. That's what I like doing. And I can't do that now. There's just not enough time. There just isn't. And it took a long time for me to adjust to that and find a way for me to get practicing in. I mean, it's just, I think that's such a powerful experience for, for people to have to live through a situation where they're not going to get to play the way they want to, or they don't have ensembles to hold them accountable. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. that would be so valuable for everyone to have to go through that. I almost want to say everyone should take a year off from school or playing to work a full-time job in some, whether it's manual labor, retail, or, you know, some minimum wage job. Because it, you'll learn so much about yourself. You really do. And and whether or not this is something you want to do. Now, you know, I didn't take years off, so I, I didn't take years off until after I finished my coursework. So it's not that I necessarily recommend that, but I do think it's an incredibly powerful experience that would do everyone some good to either confront or think about. Yeah, I just want to add one thing to that because, you know, what you're saying is exactly right. You find out so much about yourself. And I think you come to really value the education that you get even more. And, you know, once back in the field, I felt even more driven than I was at the time that I left. Not more driven than I ever had been, but at the time that I left, you know, I was also very stressed out with everything in the degree. I had the teaching assistantship responsibilities and I gave that up when I left knowingly I gave that up. And like I said before, it was a, it was a decision that was personal because it was family oriented, but I don't regret that decision even after coming back and not having the assistantship because I learned not only so much about myself and how I function outside of the field, but also how much I valued the degree that I was pursuing. It was tough getting back in. I was motivated, but it was a tough decision to decide to come back after having a full year off from that grind. And not just the school grind, but the practice grind. Now, I did practice during that year off, but I did not practice like I had been. So I had a lot of doubts 
about myself, my abilities, and my ability to to finish. But it ultimately came down to I knew I had to do it. Like I had to do it. This is what I was made for. Like I knew mm-hmm. that, like that's what I had to do. And so that drive kept me focused enough to push through. Now, you guys know I had some medical issues um along the way that were very unfortunate and I've battled back through that, but it didn't stop me. <laughs> It just delayed me a little bit, and uh, I'm very thankful that I went back and I finished. <laughs> and now you're Dr. Ben. Yeah. Dr. Ben. <laughs> Dr. Ben in the house. Long time coming. <laughs> <laughs> yep. David uh, or Chris, do you guys have anything to add to that or personal experiences you want to talk about? I mean, listening to y'all talk about what you said, it makes – first of all, Ben, dude – Dude. Yeah, that's uh, powerful stuff. That's pretty powerful stuff. You know, uh, we're gonna have to give him a race. <laughs> I know, seriously. No, that that's really inspiring, Ben. Derek and David, you guys can catch up. But <laughs> yeah, can we can we go practice now? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I read a book and listened to it twice. Oh, whoa! You read a uh, book? Oh yeah, more than you know. I, I figured I should probably do that. Right, Derek. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, extreme ownership by Jocko Willink, and well, who's the other guy? Um, Leif Babin. Leif Babin. Great book. That's right. Yeah, it's a great book. And with my background outside of music, I was exposed to that at an early age, as some of you fellows as well can experience growing up. But it wasn't until I read that book where I started to compartmentalize my priorities. And it's it's very much in alignment. This concept is very much in alignment with what you guys are talking about, especially what Ben was saying. But as far as the idea of having, putting your, all your eggs in one basket and then like having a backup plan, I think the mentality of having backup plans are never a bad idea. But you should always strive to give it your 100%, your 110% in anything that you do. And always the goal that you have in mind should be your number one priority. And again, it comes down to what you want or sorry, need and identifying your needs and wants and then Mm -hmm. acting upon them. It's really important that if you if you have your head together and you know what direction you're going to be walking, it's like a grocery store. You don't just walk into the grocery store without a list or not knowing what you want to eat. You you gotta have a plan. Otherwise, you're going to spend an hour or two in there just looking at the the ice cream section. I've done it many times, and it's a I lose that thing. one. I lose that one often. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's terrible. And then that's you know, such a good analogy. <laughs> It's uh, <laughs> but you know, if you're going to go in there and buy ice cream, God dang it, go buy ice cream and, <laughs> and then you'll be able to leave a happier person and you won't spend, you won't lose two hours of your day. You know, um, <laughs> it's great to check out all the different types of ice cream, but just know that you're going to come out with one. It, there's planning. I, I can keep going down this analogy for sure. But, uh. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to put a stop to the ice cream thing because <laughs> I'm not thinking about practicing anymore. I'm thinking about ice cream. So 
That would be my spiff. That would be my deal right there. Yeah. Real quick, what would you... Cookies and cream. What would you say... <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. 100%. Wow. Dang it. That's what I was going to say. That's your desert island ice cream? Oh, yes. Especially wow. in milkshake form. You really took in that Jocko book. That's his, too. <laughs> <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, so real quick, Chris. So what would you say to this? Uh, this is a pretty common maxim that I, I've heard this so many times in regards to this specific conversation, you often will hear or someone will say after you you mention something about having a backup plan and inevitably someone is going to say having a backup plan is planning to fail or something along those lines. What do you say to that? I would say like it's like keeping doors open. You don't want to say you're in a survival tactic situation where you're being hunted by a bear like in the revenant okay i'm gonna go down this path i'm going down this path so you always have like an escape route but you have to get to the river because we know the bear isn't going to cross the river because his body mass is just going to float down the river because of all the strong water uh that's not how bears work let's just hypothetically think that that's going to happen you got to have like alternate routes it's not a plan to fail i think it's being very smart and strategic with your path another analogy gonna go down this path again how many different shades of gray can you make in a painting we have to ban chris from analogies (laughs) give yourself (laughs) options i thought the ice cream one was cold by the way (laughs) what do you guys think what do you guys think yeah i was just gonna say life (laughs) things happen and things happen that are outside of your control. So I understand and do agree with the mentality of pursuing something with all of yourself. But this is kind of a loaded question. The either or, all eggs in one basket, or have a backup plan. Why can't you essentially have both? Why can't you put all of your efforts towards this one end, knowing also that there are other options if this doesn't work out. It's not a, you know, I'm not going to put all of my effort towards one thing because I might fail and have to go a different route. It's, I'm going to put all my effort towards this way. And if things fail, if life throws a curveball at me, I can always do this. It's not a either or. If you work yourself up and build yourself up what did jim white always say he always said aim for the moon because if you fail you're gonna land in the stars yeah it's 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 really like their goal i know that's super sappy no but it's true it's really true and ben you said it when we aim for something so great and keep pushing 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 and yeah life throws you curveballs and you may not get that dream principal spot in the cso you know but I bet you you'll still find a gig because you worked your ass off. Yeah. And I think that, you know, your point too, you know, aim for the moon, aim for something that is beyond anything that you could have ever imagined for yourself, because that is going to raise the bar to a point where if you don't meet that ridiculous goal, there are still great things that you can do. Yeah, that that's... Man, this is one of those inspiring podcasts today, isn't it? 
your trajectory in life is not going to be a straight line. There, there is no, it's not you going up the whole time. Everyone is going to experience some sort of roadblock at some point. Every single person. It's the way life works. And that's, I mean, that's the true test, right? Is making it through. So, and it's not to say that you're going to hit one of these roadblocks and you have to settle on something else. It, it, you know, if you have your your eyes set on on the prize and you want this one thing as much as you could possibly want anything and you get hit with with something in the road well then this is that's just going to fuel you even more yeah it might take you longer you might have to find a new path but you can still get there if you want it if that's what you really want nothing's going to stop you but that doesn't mean you're going to have a straight a straight line trajectory so again it goes back to do you want to do this or do you have to do this Mm -hmm. and if you have to do this then no matter even when those roadblocks come in blocking your path you're going to say hey that's doesn't matter i'll find another way and you'll you'll get there eventually yeah i, I think a lot of, of another thing way that you can think about this is being is being a realist you know brad good for instance this is a, a, a great example you know he had a serious face injury or, or injury to his embouchure and he didn't think he was ever going to be able to play again but he loves music so much you know, thankfully he did did eventually heal and he was able to play, but it wasn't for several years. He learned how to play bass and he learned how to play drums and he plays them at a level that he actually gets hired to play those instruments, even though he is known as a trumpet player. And, and that is something that I have been thinking about a lot. It's actually kind of scary, our profession. You know, I was in a altercation recently and... Just thinking about it, if I had just been hit the wrong way, like just popped right in the chops, just the right way, this could end the whole thing for me. And I was, it really freaked me out. But I was thinking about it. It's like, well, that, but that's not, you know, I'm a musician. It's not just the trumpet. Like playing the trumpet is not the only thing that I can do. Like there are other things that I can do that's still in this degree field. You know, Doc Singleton is another example of that. You know, he... I believe he was a tuba player and he had an injury and was unable to play the instrument, but he became known one of the top band directors in the state of Colorado. In the whole country, I'd say. Probably this part of the country. So, you know, if you love music and it's something that you have to do, but maybe you don't necessarily think trumpet is going to get it or or you, you can't get to the level you want on trumpet, you can still pursue music in what Ben was saying. You still... Whatever you choose to do, you need to give it 110%. But there's nothing wrong with, you know, thinking about contingency plans or escape routes, you know, away from... The floating bears. <laughs> Guys, they're real. They're the floating real. bears. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great. That, this is, I mean, this has such been such an inspiring uh, podcast. And I, I don't think, this is actually a topic we've never spoken about. No, we haven't. We actually haven't. This has been really interesting. At mm-hmm. this point, it's not even trumpet podcast, so that's great. I mean, it is our trumpet life. Yeah, move over, Tim Ferriss. This is our <laughs> uh, territory now. I don't know. Should we talk about what fingering you guys use for F sharp or something to get the trumpet? <laughs> I use one. People get mad, but uh, that's what I use. <laughs> it's because you're so sharp, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I just slipped Ben down from a G. 
I go A flat down. <laughs> I don't even use the mouthpiece. No, we know that. That makes sense. I guess we are kind of needing to wrap up here, though. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't even know what else there is to say. This was such a good question. I'm really glad that Kenley uh, reached out and, and talked to Chris about that. One, it's just great to hear from Kenley. Uh, I hope he keeps listening. If anyone else has any questions, we would love to to get them. You can send them to ourtrumpetlife at gmail.com. And we're going to take a look at all those, and we would love to do shows on questions any of you guys have. So do that. Or you can send Facebook, Instagram, Our Trumpet Life at everything, Twitter. Does anyone else have any anything to add? Well, I think we should do a, our typical final quick question, which I think this week was, what are you listening to? I, I've been listening to Alex Sipiagin's record from 2017, Moments Captured. Uh, featuring Eric Harlan, John Escreet, Matt Brewer, Will Vinson. It's uh, I I just I love the writing in it, and and obviously the playing. You know, Chris Potter and Alex Piagan are just an amazing front line. I like how David like knew everyone on the record, and then all of us started <laughs> looking for the people on our records. <laughs> when I, when I started noticing he was doing that, I was like, uh oh. <laughs> So, not to overspeak my turn, I will say that I've been listening to Empire Brass and listening to their Baroque album and trying to get their articulations and style down. I am using them as an example for a lot of our recordings that we're going to be doing this week and having my students listen to them and uh, copy, essentially, or imitate. That's very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Actually, kind of along the same lines, I've uh, been wanting to get back into playing some Baroque trumpet because uh, David and I <laughs> bought Baroque trumpets, and <laughs> it'd be nice. It'd be nice to play those things <laughs> at some point. <laughs> at some point. So yeah, uh, recently I've been listening to "The Art of Baroque Trumpet" by uh, Nicholas Eklund. Hey, uh, there's there's like classic. five. <laughs> there's like five volumes, Ooh. and he's just a phenomenal ah, player. Amazing. So if you haven't if you haven't heard him, you should absolutely check that out. Super great. I'm going to be the uh, the loser that doesn't have a, a f complete answer. I've been studying a lot for my comp, so I've been listening to just Baroque music in general. A lot of early Baroque, so Monteverdi, Frescobaldi, stuff like that. Uh, checked out a couple of the Monteverdi operas. Absolutely loved them. I couldn't even tell you what they were. I'm just not a, I'm not a classical music person. I guess one was uh, Orfeo. That's the obvious one. I can't remember the names of the other ones. So, but it's been really great. It's not something I would typically listen to, but trying to go into it with a positive mindset and, and have enjoyed every single bit of it. So that's where I'm at. Awesome. Well, I think that does wrap it up for us. So thank you for listening. And uh, like Derek said, please check us out at www.ourtrumpetlife.com or you can email us questions at... Our jump at life at gmail.com. 